Well, good morning, Shore Church. Welcome, uh, families, friends, neighbors, anyone who's watching uh, this second round of, of filming. And uh, today we are in, in a crazy week. We, we, we've seen things change overnight. Uh, more people, I mean, half, of, half a million people have applied for EI. Uh, and we have just been hit here and there. Some of you, you've experienced a lot of change really fast. Uh, we're constantly watching new stuff on the news. Some of you have uh, been through really hard times. You've, you've lost work. You've had to lay off people. Uh, you've had to cancel trips. Uh, some of you have felt worry uh, go deeper in your soul than you've ever experienced and I know I've heard from many of you, which I'm really, really thankful. Uh, God has been really present. He's been really there. People, as, as a pastor, I get the privilege of, of hearing from lots. And I'm getting texts of verses, and this is where God's comforting me, and this is our hope, and this is the this, this is this song I'm listening to right now. And, and I love that. I love that seeing the church come alive. Um, we even had one community group. You can see this uh, on the screen. You'll see it in a second where they got together and just Zoomed a whole community group. And so uh, excited to talk about how we're going to do more community life going on. But I felt this morning uh, I wanted to begin with a God response to uh, COVID-19. Like, as you know, so many people are, are responding, and that's good, and it's right from every business uh, from every school, celebrities, governments. I, I even read in my email this morning, Aeroplan had a response. Blaze Pizza has a response. Like we're all responding. And I, and I felt early on Friday morning that God obviously has a response. And one of those responses uh, that came to me for us, I believe, uh, I wanted to share this morning is from Psalm 46. So Psalm 46 I want to read this to us. This is God's response, one of many responses to COVID-19. So, so here it is. God is, the psalmist begins, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, and, and always their help in trouble. Therefore, so if that's true, if God is a very present being and help, he goes on, therefore we will not fear, watch this, though the earth gives way, literally falls apart, changes in drastic measures, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. So here, here, just stop there for a second. Where is God in all of this? What's his response to what seems to be very catastrophic events? Well, the, the psalmist tells us he's always very present to be himself our peace and uncertainty. The earth, notice, doesn't stop falling apart, but his presence becomes for us, our safety and strength. He goes on, God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. 
And where is God? Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Okay, let me ask you, is that true for you? And the answer is yes. Whether you feel it, he is. And the psalmist then invites us, come behold the works of the Lord, how he is in charge, how he is in control, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then our response, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's all about his glory. It's all about his exaltation. The Lord, verse 11, of hosts is with us. So, sure, I have good news. I have true news. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is and is our present help. He really, really is a person. He's a being whose real presence is the one irrepressible need in our life right now. What we need most right now is to join him where he is, and he is in the midst of us, and he is in the midst of this. So what are we called to do? Well, according to this psalm, and and by the way, this makes no sense apart from God. But the way to have confidence when the earth gives way is to do what Jesus did often. And what did he do? He drew away to be still with God. He regularly withdrew to get alone with God. And so as I just began on Friday to just feel uh, our need to be still before God, I I wanted this morning to challenge us in something And that is this, I want us to cultivate a rhythm where where you get into his presence to be still with Jesus. The one way to draw confidence in the midst of the earth going away, the psalmist says, God says, is to get alone and to be still with the one who is in our midst. So I'd I'd love to call us uh, as a church Uh, into the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. And and here's what I want this to look like. I would love if starting today, we as a church, we would take uh, just 10-minute retreats, 10-minute mini retreats throughout our day, at least once a day, outside of your own sweet time with the Lord uh, in His Word in the morning and in prayer, outside of that time, but just to sit with Him and to be still where you just pause and you fix your attention on Jesus and and you're still and you're there to listen and to just be with him. Uh, in, In his book, Practicing the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence says this, Since you must know that God is with you in all you undertake, that he is at the very depth and center of your soul, why should you not pause from an instant from time to time in your outward business and even in the act of prayer to worship him within your soul, to praise him, to entreat his aid, to offer him the service of your heart and give him thanks for all his loving kindness and tender mercies, since you must know that God is with you. See, see here, here's the thing. He really is in the midst of us. He is a person, 
And he's a present powerful being in whom all our fears can find peace. Um, so it was Tuesday. I was getting ready to study this, and um, I was having a hard time. To be honest with you, I had an anxious heart all week. I was, uh, you know, we had a staff meeting on Monday, and we were planning to do these house churches, and that changed overnight. Uh, and, and I just began to feel anxious. And, and um, I, I was in this place where I was just honestly getting really tired of, of my own brainstorming ideas of what we can do. And, and a part of it wasn't coming from a place of love. It was coming from a place of, of fear. And I, I got on my knees in my office and I just said to Jesus, I need help. Like, I just need your presence. And I felt the gaze of God move my head towards my bookshelf. And I came across this little book uh, by uh, Joe Stoll, Joseph Stoll. He was the, the president of Moody Bible Institute when I first went there. I think he's now the president of Cornerstone University. Um, but in, in, his, uh, in his book, Simply Jesus, I wanted to read this to you just so you can get a glimpse of why I'm, I'm beginning this way. He says this um, in his book, I'm only 57 and I already find myself weary of the hollow thoughts of what few accomplishments I may have mustered in my life. My failures continue to embarrass me. The inadequacies I have carried with me since my youth still frustrate me. My insecurities still trouble my soul. And the praise of others has increasingly a hollow ring. I am tired, <coughs> excuse me, of worrying about whether or not the sermon I preached was good enough or whether or not someone will pat me on the back for a job well done. I'm tired of worrying about what people think about me. I'm weary of the carnal feeling that sometimes haunts me when someone talks about his favorite preacher and it's not me. Bottom line, I just flat out get tired of me, but I never get tired of Jesus. After all these years, I still find him more compelling, more engaging, more awesome, more surprising, more fulfilling, and more attractive than ever before. I never get tired of singing his praises or of watching him perform. I find him to be gripping, absorbing, beyond comprehension. And that's why, along with Paul, my grandmother, Billy Graham, and countless others through the years, I find myself longing to know him better. I am becoming increasingly aware that life doesn't go on forever. When we're young, we think we're bulletproof. We live like we'll never die. But when your knees protest, certain movements and your eyesight and memory begin to grow fuzzy, reality sets in. I can see the day coming when there'll be another president of Moody and a better one at that. There will be other preachers who bless hungry hearts. And me, I'll be sitting in the corner of some nursing home waiting for them to ring the lunch bell. And if life up to that point has been all about me, that is going to be sad and an empty day, no matter what they're serving for lunch. Why? Because all I have will be me, which is at that point, which at that point won't be much. But, and this will be on the screen, but if my life has been about knowing Jesus, and experiencing a deepening relationship with him as I sit in the corner of the nursing home waiting for the lunch bell to ring, he'll be there with me. The mighty son of God, the bright and morning star, the desire of all nations, 
the great shepherd of the sheep, the wondrous creator of all, the king of kings and lord of lords. And he'll be more wonderful on that day than ever before. He'll walk with me as I toddle along the linoleum in my walker. He'll talk with me and I won't have any trouble hearing him when he tells me that I am his own. He'll say, well, Joe, you're almost home. And I'll say, Lord, the sooner the better. I've heard your voice through all these years, but I can't wait to see your face. He and I will be having such a grand time of fellowship, I just might miss that lunch bell. I share that with us because that has been what God's been doing in my life. There's nothing more sweeter, more life-fulfilling, more fear taking away than the presence of Jesus, the real person of Jesus. And this is what we have now, an opportunity to press into Jesus. Um, And so what is this going to look like? Well, let me just tell you what I do. What I do is I literally put a 10-minute timer on my phone, and I'll either be on a prayer walk, I'll be in my car, either on the way home or or before I get into the office, uh, or I'll be at my desk, and I'll just click start. And what I'll do is I'll just ask Jesus to come. And I'll just say, come and be present with me. Uh, I often, I don't pray much. I, I just sit in silence and I just want to be with Jesus. And uh, I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes it feels dry. Like sometimes I hear nothing. Sometimes I'll ask him, uh, Jesus, what about your love do you want me to hear? Or I'll think of an attribute of him that I want to just rest in or a verse that morning that I read. But most often, I just sit in silence and I wait just to be with him. Now, let me tell you, like all spiritual disciplines, it's kind of like working out. Okay, you might feel a little bit working out in that present when you're lifting that weight. But when do you feel it the most? The next day. I'll tell you, most of my times with silence and solitude with Jesus, I can feel his presence so strong the next day or when I need it, you know, in the middle of a hard conflict. It's, it's amazing. So I just want to encourage us uh, to, to do that. But I want to warn you before we uh, just go into this time of prayer, when you do this, especially if this is new for you, uh, you need to do one thing. You need to, when you go with Jesus, you need to give him access. And what I mean by that is you need to posture your heart before God in such a way that you're saying to him, Jesus, you can go to the deepest places of my fears, my shame, and my brokenness. Okay, here's here's the key. Brokenness is the key to times in silence and solitude. You're coming to him broken and going, I'm hungry to hear from you. Okay, so here's what I want to tell you. Before any level of intimacy with God, okay, before any time that, that... I've had great moments with Jesus. There's always a purging in my soul. There's always something he's going to till up first to go, will you give me that? And it's it's his beauty. Whenever he shines lights on something, uh, he wants me to to first know that that's been covered by his blood and that I can go to him with it. But he wants to take up that space that something or someone else has, a bitterness, a, a, a place of anger or frustration And so in that time, don't get frustrated if he brings stuff up. That's his love, okay? Let me say it again. Before every new level of intimacy with God, there's always a fresh purging in my soul. As if God is saying to me, James, I want you to give me everything. Even that thought you had 
playing in your mind, that secret thought that you would never tell anyone, give that to me. And he wants to do that before he gives me more of himself. Let me say it this way. There is no healing where there is pretending. And so um, that, that's what I want to invite us into. And here's why this is important. Um, Rob Reamer, he says this, God does not fill us with his spirit just for our own benefit. He fills us to spill us. He fills us to spill us. He wants to fill us with living water so we can spill living water wherever we go. So let me say this, being still before the Lord, yes, it's going to be great. You're going to experience the presence of God. You're going to feel him more, but it's not about you. Okay, it's not about you. We are not isolated units in vertical relationship with an isolated God. No, we are, as the scriptures say, we are members of one another. So look, I know this is a big intro. We haven't even touched Galatians 5, and don't worry, we'll go short. But as your pastor, let me just say, what I need most from you is is your peace and presence with God. What we need from each other is is that time we spent alone with God. I don't need more advice or strategy or coffee cup sayings. No, I need your time with Jesus' love. I need your time with Jesus' love to flow into my life so that you can connect me with him. If you're not experiencing his love, you will not be able to give it. And so what we need most from each other is what your being still before God can give us. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I'm just going to pause, and I want you and I, but, but we'll do this together, is I want to lead us into a time of prayer, and here's what I want you to do. We're going to pray two things. First, I'd love you to pray, uh, Jesus, before we put on the screen, Jesus, this is how I'm feeling right now, and I want you just to tell him, this is how I'm feeling. Maybe you've never just paused and told God, this is how I feel right now. And just tell him. And then we're going to ask Jesus, we want more of your presence. So first, uh, this will be on the screen. Jesus, this is how I'm feeling right now. So we're just going to pause. And just where you are, wherever you're sitting, in, you know, whether you're living room or even you're, you're going for a walk today and you're just listening to this, it uh, doesn't matter if you're with your family, if you have a little four-year-old or a 10-year-old or a teenager, just we're going to stop and we're just going to talk to Jesus. We're going to get along with him. And so just encourage you, uh, this will be on the screen. Just pause and pray wherever you are. Jesus, thank you that you hear us, and uh, we we just want to come before you now in this time of peace and being still, and Jesus, we want to just tell you that that we want more of your presence. We want that moment that Joe Stoll talked about in the nursing home. We want a whole walk with you, and so, uh, Lord, we just, we want to pray this next prayer now. Jesus, I want more of your presence. 
Would you give me the grace to be still and spend 10 minutes a day to retreat with you? I give you access in Jesus' name. So just you at home, you pray that. Uh, Jesus, I just, I know that some of us here, we have read blogs, really good blogs. We have read great devotionals. We have uh, watched incredible teachers talk about the peace of Christ. And we, we know Psalm 46. And, um, but I just pray, I know that we don't need more information. Like, we need you. We need a real revelatory experience of Jesus' love and your present help touching those specific areas of anxiety, of loss, of fear. Lord, would you just meet with us this week? Would you, would you come and would you, even in this time of silence, give us a revelatory experience of the presence of Jesus? And we pray you would come heal and you would come fill us, Holy Spirit, so that we would be filled to spill. Lord, I just know like what we need from one another, and, and we'll get to this where we just reach out and call one another, but what we need from one another is gonna come from the presence that we came and had with you. So I just I pray that, Lord, you would give us this as a church, and I pray now as we just get into Galatians in, in, this, in the next few minutes we have left, would you just teach us from this book? Thank you that we happen to be in this book. We trust in your providence. You knew this was all going to happen, and so we want to keep teaching through it. So I ask, Holy Spirit, would you continue to give me the spiritual gift of teaching? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, really excited to be here. Galatians 5, I want to make two points. We're going to read our whole passage. I'll make some comments as we go. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to make one point today. So one point. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be done. And we also want to share with you kind of what we're doing this week to just help kind of connect with one another. But let's start there. So Galatians 5, uh, let's read the text. I'll make some comments. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. Okay, Jesus came to get you free. There's a lot of reasons why Jesus came, but one of the big ones was to get you free, free from guilt, free from shame, free from everything that we feel in results of sin, the enemy, the lies we believe. He came to get us free. Jesus Christ came to get you free, to set you free. Kids, if you're taking notes, that's the answer. So, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 2, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, okay, so if he says if you accept doing religious works as the basis and way you can earn acceptability with God, that's the point of circumcision. Uh, circumcision was what was the symbol of those who are truly gods. If you accept that, you have to do stuff. Watch what he says. Christ will be of no advantage to you, okay? If, if you get, again, if you get right on your own effort, then you don't need Christ. Uh, as the Puritan William Perkins said, he must be a perfect savior or no savior. If we will 
not let Christ do everything for us. He can do nothing for us. Verse 3, keep going. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Verse 4, he says it again. You, that's where you want to go. You're severed from Christ, cut off. You who would be made right, legally justified, forgiven, accepted, justified by the law, you have fallen away from the only way you get right with God, grace. For through the, what's our word, Shore? You guys can say it out loud. Some of you are not going to say it, but just try. Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. So the new way we live in communion and this new relationship with God is by the Spirit, not the law. But through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus. Guess what doesn't matter if you got Jesus because you have everything. Neither circumcision nor circumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. That's what counts. Verse 7, you were running well. You guys had this. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We'll get to that next week as well. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Right? They were being persecuted for the cross. Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. <laughs> All right. So here's, here's the first and only point I'm going to make. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to get you free. He says, look at it again in verse 1, for freedom, who? Christ has set us free. This has to always keep coming back into our minds. Jesus is a person, okay? Christianity is not a set of beliefs. It's not a philosophical, religious, you know, system that works for you and doesn't work for other people. No, no, no. Christianity is about Jesus. It's about a person. Your freedom is personal, your freedom has love. Your freedom is about a love affair with Jesus. It's a real person, the God-man, who's really alive, and he actually did something to accomplish real freedom so that when you have him, when you trust in the person of Jesus to forgive you of sin and give you new life, you have it. That is salvation. It's a, it's a relationship by a person who does something on the cross where he dies for your sin, pays the penalty for what we deserve, and he rose again to give us new life. So, what we do, so what do we do now? If that's the truth, Christ came to set us free. It's not about our works and what we do to get to God. It's what Jesus has done to bring us into relationship with him. What's our job? He says to this, to the church, stand firm. This word stand, it means literally hold your ground in Jesus, in the gospel truths. This is a fight of the mind and the heart and time in the gospel. It's, it's you continually put yourself in the river of his love. You really are adopted. You really are his. You, you, you are not the lies that you're a piece of garbage and all the stuff that you hear 
No, you're, you all need to stand firm in a person, in Jesus. Listen to how Paul says this in other letters. He says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Philippians 4, 1, he says, Therefore, my brothers, listen to this, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, What's our word? Stand, stand firm. Thus, in the Lord. Our job, sure, is simply to stick with Jesus as the basis and acceptability with God. Okay? When you get alone with God in that time of silence, you can meditate on how much he loves you. Because Romans 8 says nothing can separate you from his love. So our job is to stand, no exceptions, all the time in the person of Jesus. He goes on, he says this, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Verse 4, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Okay, so look right at me. If you deny salvation is by Jesus alone and have within your current belief system any belief that your performance gets you to heaven, you cannot be saved by Jesus. That's what he's saying. Okay, now let me say this. If you're not a Christian, maybe you're watching this with a family member, or you forwarded this to a friend, um, and you grew up, though, in, in kind of a moralism, even maybe you grew up in a Christian church or Catholic church that said, you need to keep being good, you need to keep yourself saved by good living. My question is, is this. How can you ever be sure your, your good living is enough? Right? Think about it. If, if we're all saved by being good, if the average person says, hey, how are you going to get to heaven? And they say, well, I'm a pretty good person. How good is good enough? This is Paul's point. No one gets to heaven by being good. We get to heaven because Jesus came to get us free, free from the penalty of sin that we deserve, free from the condemnation and guilt. He came to get you free. He came to bring you into the being that you were made to live for. Now watch this. You get, I mean, I'm sure you read it, but like in this passage, there's a, there's a zeal, there's a passion, there's a tone that comes from Paul, um, and it's not rash. When he's like, whoever is telling you this should go emasculate themselves, that's actually coming from the deepest place of communion with Jesus. Jesus is love. Here's why I know that. Jesus, in Matthew 18 and Mark 9, uh, to a group of Jewish leadership, uh, the religious leaders who were pretending on the outside to be so holy but had no desire to love and honor God, he said it's better for them who are saying, being good and doing religious works is how God loves you. It's better for them to tie a, a giant stone around their neck and be thrown into the sea than to lead other people to think there's another way except for belief and faith to God. Let me say this. Pretending to be better than we really are is the worst sin. It is. And it's the sin that Jesus regularly drove home to the Pharisees. That's why Paul says in verse 12, those who are saying trust in circumcision should just cut it all off. Just cut it all off. You want to get right with a little bit of skin? Just go for the whole thing. Okay, you know, 
You guys are not here to kind of like go, ooh, I can just, I can just say it. It's recording. All right. But, but let, let me say this. This is how seriously harming to your soul and to your relationship with God it is when you say you need to add anything to Jesus. Sure, you are loved because of Jesus' love. Jesus, when he invites us to turn to from sin and to him, he's inviting us to change uh, what we're trusting in to be our savior. He's saying, don't trust in you, but trust in me. That's how you bring your soul into alignment with God. So let me say this. When your heart, your behavior, your belief system, or your thinking deviates from God's grace into doing your soul will get out of alignment. And so when you can tell there's anxiety, when you can tell your soul's out of alignment, you need to go back to the gospel. You need to go back to whose you are, who Jesus is, uh, who you're gaining and getting your sense of love and worth and value. And that's repentance. Repentance is, is key um, in, in working out and standing in the gospel. Can I just say this? Let me say this. Don't ever leave a conversation with a person making them think, okay, if you're a believer. So if you're a Christian here, don't ever leave a conversation with someone uh, where they think you're hoping in your own good moral efforts. Don't ever let them feel like your... Uh, your basis of relationship with God is based on just your devotion. Don't. Why? Because that will make them think they're fine. Here's what you want to do. Make sure you leave every conversation boasting constantly in how wonderful and how real and how living Jesus is. Honestly, he really is. If you've experienced Jesus get you free in something, even this week or last week, or you're experiencing Jesus give you real peace and you're talking with someone, don't say, my faith is helping me. Because this whole passage is pointing to the person of Jesus. Don't say, well, my faith was there for me. No, it's not your faith. It's Jesus. It's the person of Jesus. Keep putting people's hands into the hand of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Sure, church, what others need from us right now is, is us leading people to him. Our job is to get people to Jesus who gets them free. Amen? Amen. You guys all said amen. You know, it was great. Okay. Uh, on this note, I really uh, want to challenge us uh, on something. So I have two big takeaways, two big homework assignments for us as a church. The first is to get 10 minutes with Jesus in silence. The second... Uh, is I want us to wake up the whole church. I want, even if you're 11 year old, okay? I want everyone in who calls a short church home to wake up every morning to get along with the Holy Spirit and ask him this question, who? Who do you want me to reach out to? Who do you want me to call? And then I want you to wait until Jesus gives you a name. He will. He, Jesus, loves his people. And all the spiritual gifts in the way that we're called, as this passage says, to work with the Spirit. We're just applying Galatians. Galatians says, through the Spirit do works of love. 
And so we're in, in, in this self-isolating, quarantine phase of what's happening. We can still, through the technology we have, love one another. So that's what my calling. So, so here's on the screen. Wake up every day and in prayer, ask the Holy Spirit, who? Who do you want me to call? Who do you want me to transfer money to? Who do you want me to FaceTime? Who do you want me to Zoom in? And just wait for Jesus to give you a name. And you might be making breakfast and a name will come to mind. You might be you know, self-quarantining and reading something and Jesus will bring a name to mind. Every time you get a name, put your thing down and call them. Jesus is at work in our church. Okay, so that's what I want us to do. And, he, and I'm going to ask you to do something a little strange. Actually, it's not strange at all, but it will feel weird. When you call them, I want you to just say to them, hey, I, I was just praying. Actually, I was just doing whatever, and your name came to mind. And then ask them, can I begin just telling you the gospel? And most people will say yes. Okay, and here's what I want you to do. I just want you to say, Jesus loves you so much. Uh, he, he made you, and he loved that he made you, and he went to the cross to bear the penalty for sin, and he rose again to forgive you, and you are deeply loved by Jesus. And you can have assurance that your salvation is secure because of what Jesus did. You are free. And then say, so how are you? Any kind of gospel way you want to share, just tell them something about the gospel and then get into the conversation, Okay. That would be amazing. What if, you know, what if all of us, when we call people, we reminded one another of the goodness of the good news of Jesus? Amen? Amen. That's what we're free for. Verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Okay? Last thing I'll say, spirit-drenched faith is always an active loving faith. Martin Luther said this, he who wants to be a true Christian or to belong to the kingdom of Christ must be truly a believer. But he does not truly believe if works of love do not follow his faith. Sure, this is the time for us to be still, to get along with God, to receive his love, and then overflow with his love. Okay, so that's what we want to do. You know, I just encourage you. I know some of you, when you get along with God, you got to unpack some secrets. you got to unpack some hidden stuff. Uh, ask him when he does show you those things, who, who he wants you to share this stuff with. Um, you won't be free until you do, by the way. Jesus came to set you free. You have freedom, but some of us haven't accessed that freedom. And, and just, just get a, he loves you. He's going to get you free. He's going to set you free. Um, so here's how I want to close. I encourage you to pray with one another in a group. Uh, like if you have a family, if you're all by yourself, we love you. Would you just, uh, you know what? I'll give you my cell number. You can see it on the screen. You can just text me. And if you're alone, I'll call and pray with you. Um, but here's what we want to do. Uh, a few things. Please wake up every day and ask Jesus who, and let's be a church that is just, and this is going to sound weird because we've said spend less time on your phone, where you spend a lot of time on your phone calling people. Um, yeah, again, here's, a, here's what a CG did this week. I showed you at the front end. Awesome stuff. Can I also say, though, to spouses, now's the time to get clean and closer than you ever have. Like, now is the time. And so uh, we would love to drop uh, a book 
uh, a marriage book at your house. We'll leave like a huge distance. We'll drop the book off. And if you would like to just grow in your marriage, we'll give you some resources. We're planning to brainstorm this week ways we can just come and bless you. Uh, I know Tracy has already messaged to the parents that we want to drop off, you know, packages of crafts and arts. And, and um, we also want to roll out a prayer 315 thing coming up here. Uh, also, the pastors would love to be available for FaceTime counseling. And so if you go uh, to our website, there's a page now called uh, COVID-19 Good Stuff. Uh, you, can, you can access that there. We also have a benevolent fund. This is a fund for the church. And so if you're in a place where it's, it's hard to get groceries this week, tell us. We will make sure that you get blessed. Uh, we are here for one another. Uh, another thing that we're doing is there's so many great resources out there. Uh, we want to let you know about them. So we're going to have a, a daily updated web page that tells you where to go. So, for example, you know, if Timothy Keller, which he did last week, does a live feed or Westside's doing a worship night, we want to tell you so that you can go to these places that we're drinking from as well. Uh, so we'll have a resource page, a benevolent page, all that. Okay, we love you. Stay connected. Let me pray. Uh, so Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this time. I do pray that uh, just as we go from, from this, this time, Lord, would you uh, just excite us to have such a deep walk with you? Lord, some of us haven't had that. And we've gone to church. Uh, we've gone to the building. We've gone to the Cineplex for years. And now's the time, for the first time in a long time, we have felt a need for your presence. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and just meet with us? And I pray, Holy Spirit, and Jesus, you're the great shepherd of this church. Would you help us shepherd one another? Would we wake up faithfully and ask the question, who? And would you give us the courage to call and share the gospel with one another? And Lord, if there's someone here who's not a Christian, I ask that you would just lead them to John chapter 3, and that they would give their life to Jesus today. And uh, Father, we just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you are at home, uh, and you, you have some juice, and you have some bread, and you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, you can take communion uh, within your family. And just encourage you, even if you're alone, just to grab the bread and remember uh, Jesus' death for you on the cross. Also, if this is your church and we want to be giving to you, but just encourage you to, there's a, there's a give you know, button at the bottom of this site. Uh, please give, please continuously give uh, in faith. I know it's going to take a lot of faith, um, but we love you. If this is not your church, don't give it all. Uh, yeah, thank you.